0: Scripture lesson this morning is from Mark, chapter 15, verses 25 to 39. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders, hearing it, said, Behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come down and take him. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the Son of God.
1: It was 9 a.m. in the Friday morning. Soldiers crucified Jesus at the Calvary. Its purpose was to strike the hearts of the people. So crucifixion has to be terrifying death. It is death. Crucified bodies were taken down and left on the ground near the cross until the animals finished them. The Jewish historian named Josephus called the crucifixion the most pitiable of deaths. Again, but the truth is, Jesus' crucifixion is our self fortrait because we should have been crucified. We should have been condemned and die eternally. Without Jesus. The so cruc- crucifixion is our self portrait. Jesus loved us. Not only joined our faith by incarnation, but also Jesus took our faith, the eternal condemnation. Today, many people, the world, do not believe and follow Jesus because they don't see themselves in the crucifixion of Jesus or they don't want to because they think Jesus had done nothing for them. Do you know what Jesus had done for you by the crucifixion? What has been done for you? What has changed in your life because this crucifixion? Do you see yourself in the crucifixion? So this morning I want to share with you the last seven words of Jesus on the cross to answer this question. But first, why crucifixion? Was there any other option, any other way to save us No, because the wage of sin is death. The Torah, the law of, the law of God requires atonement by sacrificing the life of animals because we don't want to die. We can die for our sin. He just, the incarnate God, choose to be the one last sacrifice, atonement for human race, once for all. How, how one death cover forever, the sins of people forever, because God is the creditor of our debt, the all the sins of the world, the, all the brokenness of the world. Only God can condemn the sin. So his death will redeem us, our debt. So Apostle Paul said, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, It was only choice God had. Then it's all free. It's all-free right. What is our part in our salvation? It is repentance. Repentance. What is repentance? Chuba in Hebrew, is, it is Chuba in Hebrew, which means returning to God. Turn away and returning to God with the whole life. I told you, the perfection in Judaism is facing God. Turn away from where I was going and facing God and heading to God. That's perfection. It's not you are very close to God or you are with God, but you, as long as you're facing God, God is your perfect. How? How can we turn away from the world where we can get all the help, where all the things we enjoy? How can we turn away from the world we loved? Yes, they give us the trouble and hard time too. How can we turn away from the world and turn to God? When the world says, There's nothing God, there's nothing God can do. How can we turn to God? Because God changed everything by the crucifixion. Once again, what has been changed by the crucifixion? So let's find out through the seven last words of Jesus. First, Jesus said, Here is your mother in John's Gospel. John was the only one, only disciple, stayed with Jesus the whole time, and John he brought the Mary, the mother of Jesus, to the cross when he was on the cross. But what Jesus mean by that? Here is your mother, to John. Here is your mother. My mother is your mother. What does that mean? It means Jesus has changed our boundary of family. Destroying the power of sin means not only destroying the barrier between God and us, but destroying, but also destroying the dividing wall between us, between the families, whatever the barriers. Destroyed by the crucifixion. Therefore, every woman in the world is our mothers. Every woman in the world is my sister and my daughters. And also same way, every man in the world is our fathers and brothers and our sons. What if the whole world consider each one? As my father, my brother, my son, will change a lot. Right? Will change a lot. That's what Jesus changed by the crucifixion. So we know how we treat one another. Because you know how to treat your father, your brother, and your son, your daughter, your mother, so we should treat them, every man, every woman in the world the same way. Amen? That's what he just did. That's what changed by the crucifixion. So in the kingdom of God, in, the, in Christ, as a Christian... Even still, we are here on earth, where the world is divided by the so many worlds, worlds, barriers, by family, by economic level, by ethnic group, by nationality, you name it. Regional way, even by baseball team, we're divided. But in Christ, there's no more we and them. There's no more us and them. There's no more we and they. We are together. Second, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. They don't know what they're doing. As the soldiers nail him on the cross, and people passing by scoff, Jesus said, "Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing." It was the most powerful intercessory prayer ever, isn't it? How come Jesus, in the excruci- excruciating the pain, how come he pleading for forgiveness of the person, nailing him and scoffing him, mocking him? And those soldiers just tortured him with a scorpion until the, the bone is exposed, the muscle and tendons and everything skins off by the whip. How come Jesus prayed for them? They don't know what they're doing. Even Jesus prayed for them, but soldiers just didn't care. They just gambled over his robe. The priests scoffed at him. If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Today, the people in the world still scoff Jesus and his church. Aren't they? They said, if God is real, if God is real, fix my problems. Get me what I want. Heal me from my disease, my terminal disease, my daughter's disease. Right? Can you? How about remove all the crimes of the world, all the shootings, even tornadoes, protect us from tornadoes, hurricanes, even to stop the war in Ukraine. they asking us, if God is real, stop them. Can you? How can we respond to them? How should we respond to the world? We should pray the same for them. We just pray for them. We gather and have a prayer meeting and we just pray for them. Is that it? That's important too. But prayer is again, same thing. We have to realize our words, the bar. We have to realize it. We say it. We have to do it. We have to act. So we should pray for them, asking God's will for them, and do His will. Whatever we can. It's by self-denial to do it. We have to self-denial and self-transcending. Otherwise, we cannot do. We cannot answer to the world. Third, Jesus said, to the one criminal who asked Jesus to remember him. Remember me on the cross. Many people said, Well, that's not fair. At the last moment in his life, he did all the horrible things. At the last moment in his life, asked for forgiveness. And Jesus said, Yes. Today, you will be with me in paradise. You will be with me in paradise. That was it. salvation seems so easy. Is that so easy? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because salvation is in the remembrance of him. Remembrance of Jesus. Because we are confined, now we are confined in the time, K- chronos with this life. We're confined here. I'm in Eprada right now. I cannot be in Philly today at the same time. We are stuck here in Kronos, our time, the flesh and blood. But the crucifixion of Jesus changed us Transfers us to be in the God's time, Kairos. Today we're going to celebrate Holy Communion. Methodist Church, we consider Holy Communion and Baptism as a sacrament. Sacrament is God's own action for us. That's a sacrament. I know, like Catholic has much more sacrament, but we only consider Holy Communion and Baptism as sacrament. God is doing it, His own action, and there's a right. People do it for God that's right rituals. So likewise, as we celebrate Holy Communion sacrament, Jesus. Today, here in our church, wherever the churches in the world celebrate Holy Communion today, or any day, Jesus is present. Jesus is present, and he's doing it for us. Because Jesus said, do it in remembrance of me. That remember, our remembrance of Jesus bring Jesus here in Kairos without limit of, to, limit of space. Jesus is in Kairos. He has no limit. So he's here. He will be here and celebrate communion with us together. One day, we all be glorified. We'll die. We depart from this body, this body limited in the space here. And we will be in the Kairos, the time of God. We will be in the time, eternal time. By the remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you have to remember. We have to remember. You have to remember. You have to cherish and remember every moment, every day. Even though it is challenging. It is not so, glo- it is not so happy. It's not everything going well every day. But we have to remember and cherish it. Remember Jesus and God in our day, today. Because that our remembrance connects us with God. That's salvation. Remembrance of Jesus. Fourth, Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? On the cross, Jesus remembered the verse from Psalm 22. Throughout his passion, all those suffering and torture, humiliation, he remembered all those verses from Psalm because he lived with the Psalm, the words of God, entire his life. So he remembered this verse. But people, some people may be disappointed by Jesus. Why is Jesus so groaning and despair? Yes, he is. Because Jesus felt the absence of God. Because he has to. Because he's doing it for us. And he felt the absolute solitude on the cross. The night before, remember? The night before, one of his disciples betrayed him and sold him for money. The other disciples all deserted him and took off. His best friend, Peter, denied him three times. And the high priest and the pilot just falsely accused him, tortured him, humiliated him, and put him to death. He's on the cross now. But Jesus did not end with despair. We have to read the rest of the Psalm 22. In verse five, four and five, it says, "In you, our fathers trusted; they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you, they trusted." And were not put to shame. Jesus just didn't remember, My God, why have you forsaken me? But Jesus remembered they trusted. Three times trusted. And God delivered them. Jesus remembered that. So Jesus is trusting God at this moment. We know there's a time we've been through, and we're going to. Your family may leave you. Maybe your fa- your friend betrays you. And turn against you. No, no one's listening to you. You will be in the absolute solitude. Right. We have the time. And when those times come and we're being, forced, being forsaken, we have to remember God and we trust God. Then he said, we can praise God. We can praise God. Verse 20, 22 and 23 says, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you, you who fear the Lord, Praise Him. That has been changed. Praise the Lord for because crucifixion. Crucifixion changed us from groaning and mourning into praising and glorifying. Amen. And Judy told me the paradox of uh, Palm Sunday today. I always feel that, happened to be my Palm Sunday is always preaching about the crucifixion. If you promise to come to Good Friday next year, then I will preach the crucifixion on Good Friday instead of the Palm Sunday. But it's paradoxical. Everybody's cheering God, you know, God coming as a new, the Messiah, Christ for them, Savior for them. Only Jesus knew where he's mar- marching into, the cross, cross fiction. So he has this burden, but at the same time, but he's in joy and a great expectation of this great victory coming. So he could praise Fifth, Jesus said, I am thirsty. The crucifixion caused Jesus extremely thirsty, of course, because he was tortured and nailed to the cross. He lost lots of blood and sweat. John recalled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Maybe because John's gospel, John remembered Jesus encounter the women at the well, the Samaritan women. So many different marriages. And living with someone is not in 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 her marriage. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus said, I am the living water. I am the living water. Receive me, then I will be the gushing of spring water in you, which is the eternal life. Eternal life. Never be thirsty again. Are you thirsty yet? The crucifixion changed our thirstiness into the spring of water forever. Six. Jesus said, "Father, into your hands, I command my spirit." Do you just remember the verse from Psalm 31? "This is the ultimate trust, because he surrendered, Spirit means. It's an eternity, eternal being. He, Jesus giving everything to God. He knew his fate. He's atoning for the fate of ours. Eternally condemned. But still Jesus commands his spirit to God. It's eternal condemnation. He surrendered his spirit, eternal being, to God. Yes, we know God delivered him, brought him out of that eternal condemnation, out of the hell in three days. He is with the glory now. But at this moment, Jesus commanded, committed his spirit to God. The crucifixion of Jesus able us Because he command his spirit. So, crucifixion of Jesus able us to command our eternal being to God, which is eternal glory. Jesus went to eternal condemnation. We went to eternal glory. This is our faith. We believe this. Crucifixion of Jesus changed us our faith what is faith what is the antonym of faith disbelief no it is worrying and complaining so not able to commanding that's opposite of faith What do we command to God every day? Well, God, I commit to you um, next five years serving in a committee. I just commit myself every Sunday being a faithful Christian. When other Christians around me, I will commit myself to as a Christian. But not my office, not my weekdays when I'm on the cruise, when I'm on my vacation, well, I don't want to commit myself. What do you command? What do you commit to God? Everything or something? The last word Jesus was, it is finished. It was a declaration of the war between good and evil, which is over. So God defeated the Satan forever. The game is over forever. There, there's no more battle. At the moment of his death, the curtain of a temple, Jerusalem temple, was torn from top to bottom. The, torn, the curtain was dividing the, the Holy of Holy and the rest of the temple. The Holy of Holies is the presence of God. The sinner cannot be associated with God in the the presence of God. If we do, then we die. But the curtain was torn, split. It's gone. The barrier is gone. So we have a full access. Everyone has full access even they are sinners. Wherever they are, whatever they're going through, they have a full access to God. It means the crucifixion is irreversible victory. So now everybody receives this prevenient grace. By the prevenient grace, you could come to Christ. Because when we were yet sinners, we, Christ died for us. Pray, Benny, God came uh, to us first before we come to God. Pray, Benny, and grace. On that base, we baptize babies. We baptize the people. Because we are not, we are not, no, nothing better than the people, the atheists or, you know, who don't believe in Jesus Christ ethically, health-wise, you name it, what is the difference between us and those people being condemned? Nothing. Because of Jesus' death, the prevenient grace, we are eligible for eternal grace and eternal victory, being in the presence of God. Friends, friends of Jesus, You are, I am friend of Jesus, right? Do you see yourself in the crucifixion? Yes, we don't have to worry about it because Jesus took our crucifixion. Jesus took our misery. Gloomy reality, it's gone. But do you see yourself in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ? Remember the centurion, the Roman soldier who stood and facing Jesus confessed, truly this man was God's son. He might be the one who ordered his soldiers to torture him, mocked him, but this centurion confessed, truly this man was God's son because he was the one witness the whole time. The holiday in Jerusalem. It just as I read this verse, you know, it struck me the, the two words, standing and facing. Because anyone who stands and face Jesus cannot misunderstand the truth. Standing means being assertive. Unless you are assertive, you cannot stand before somebody. That's standing, right? Are you assertive to your, your boss? Are you assertive to your trouble? Are you assertive to your fear? Are you assertive for all the concern and worry? Many people don't. But we must be assertive to our life, our daily life. Because Jesus changed us to be assertive. Because Jesus took our worries and fears and everything away. The power of sin is meaningless. So we can be assertive. Even though you are poor. Even though you are bankrupt. Even though you are whatever. You are cancer. You have cancer. You can be assertive. Amen. Amen and you we cannot judge or pointing our finger at the people in those trouble we have to let them know you can be assertive to your trouble because Jesus took your trouble facing what is facing it is gazing upon God, like I said. It is it repentance, turn away and gazing upon God, facing God. Facing God means you call upon God. When we're trouble, a lot of people calling something else, calling their friend, calling the, you know, some help, counselor, you know, whatever, doctor, you, you ask, calling. Credit card, some people. Some people credit, calling for drugs. Alcohol, you name it. People calling those when they're in trouble. But we must call upon God. That's what we are facing, God. But if we stand and face the world, it would be busy casting lots for things we want, looking for selfish gain, scoffing Jesus and the church. They think because we are incompetence. Well, I mean, what church can do for me? I have a cancer. I have this disease. I have this financial problem. What church and Jesus can do? Right? So I invite you. And you invite people. People. To the crucifixion because we are glorious we are glorious and victorious only in Jesus Christ you can live in a big house you can live rich your life can be no problem problem free doesn't matter or your life is miserable it doesn't matter doesn't matter because of Jesus Christ amen are we still going to be groaning and mourning? Complaining? Once again, we have to be very careful with the complaining. Complaining is such a powerful strategy of Satan for us not believing in God. It is, it is toxic. It is a poison for our faith. Complaining. Stop complaining. Our life may be pitiable to the world, but in Christ, our life is changed for this true, the eternal life. So when we live this eternal life here and now, when we stand and face God, we can confess, truly, Jesus was, is, and will be God's Son. Amen.